dissecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. Ha <laughs> ha created for such a time as this. All right, and here we go. <laughs> there is more. He said, what? All right, let's dive into this. Do you hate your job? Do you not want to show up? Are you beginning to fantasize about artificial worlds? Um, are you starting to play video games too much? Um, <laughs> are you getting frustrated and angry um, because of perhaps a soul wound that's linked to your job? If so, this is going to be the podcast for you. We're doing a studio session today versus using previously recorded um, content. And so let me know what you think about this. Uh, hit me up in the comments and be like i love it or be like i hate it <laughs> but let me know what you think because uh i'm always curious what you guys are thinking about this uh about this podcast um so yeah we're talking about um hating our jobs and really ultimately um pattern in interrupting whatever uh angst or frustration is kind of coming out of this festering wound of occupation and is literally starting to um filter the rest of our lives as far as um, how we do family how we do um, rest all these things get tainted by the frustration that can come from our occupation so what we're really talking about today is um, our heart quality and seeing how that affects the quality of our work and the quality of our of our lives um, first of all um, i want to look at matthew 25 and you'll be familiar with verses 37 through 40. Um, I'll just read it and then you'll be like, oh yeah, I know, I, 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 I know this verse. That's what you're going to think. So Matthew 25, 37 says, then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and uh, something to drink? And when did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you verse 39 when did we see you sick and tenderly and care for you or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them don't you know that when you cared for one of the least important of these my little ones my true brothers and sisters you demonstrated love to me so what what the principle of this particular text is, is that oftentimes we um, downgrade our ministry or our uh, performance um, based off of people's level of importance or value within society. What's interesting here is that Jesus is saying um, that the way you treat others is really the way that you're treating me. So I think that this is a great little gold nugget here. We've got to invert um, our uh, our vision so that we're not working for people we're not working um uh even for in order to satisfy the 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 desires of our soul but that we're actually working um unto the lord so that when we even have conversations with our boss or about our boss um that that we invert that um so that we're actually seeing jesus as our as our boss or our boss as jesus now that's radically scandalous <laughs> to actually when you see your boss to actually see that your boss is jesus but that's really what jesus says here the way you treat the least of these the way you treat others is actually the way that you treat me and so uh colossians 3 23 you'll be familiar with this as well whatever you do work with all your heart 
as working for the Lord, not for human masters. What's interesting here is that this exhortation is actually to slaves and servants. And so uh, it's an exhortation given to those who have the right to be frustrated for those um, who have the right um, to be perhaps maybe even angry. And the encouragement here uh, to the slaves and servants is, um, is that, hey, like whatever you find your, your hand doing, even if it's beneath you, um, don't do it in order to, you know, don't, don't do it in order to make your earthly masters happy. Um, cause you're not really ultimately working for any sort of human masters. And so, uh, if you hate your job, it's really, really important that we invert masters and that we realize that at the end of the day, really, our cultural production on the earth isn't unto human masters, even though human masters are a part of the equation. They're kind of like middlemen. Um, they kind of are the ones that establish the standards. And um, But at the end of the day, us being able to nail it and meet up to human standards um, uh, isn't really the goal. <laughs> um the goal is to go beyond human standards and to uh, and to actually raise the bar within every part of society, um, because we're not looking to um, measure up to the to the status quo, but we're actually wanting to create a new standard. We're wanting to create a new status quo. We're wanting to break um, the records and we're never going to do these kinds of things um, within the marketplace and within the culture until we invert masters, until we stop working for the man, if you will, even though working for the man is almost a requirement at the end of the day, um, it all of our work is unto God is unto the Lord. Um, Now, when it comes to your own work, your own cultural production, here's a question for you. Um, What's your desired result? Like at the end of the day, why are you working so hard? Um, Everybody's got different motivators, different motivators that keep us out in the field, that keep us plowing. For a lot of people, especially my generation, for the millennials that are listening, sometimes it's for recognition, for attention. Everybody goes home and we don't go home. We stay in the office. We stay in the field. We keep our hands on the plow and we're going beyond the call of duty. Why? Because we're trying to establish, uh, uh, we're trying to make our own mark. Yeah. And and it's for a certain level of, of recognition or attention. For other people, uh, the primary motivator is money, right? Like I'm going to stay longer. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to I'm going to crush it because um, at the end of the day, um, I want to be rolling in the dough. (laughs) It's for the money. The money is the primary motivator. And yet for others, um, the desired result is actually love and acceptance to be loved and accepted they could care less about money they could care less about the attention they're happy with being kind of behind the scenes but a lot of people are out there working super super hard and maybe maybe they're given more than what they can even afford to give when it comes to the bandwidth of their soul and their cultural production and when you really dig underneath the surface to find out what's motivating this kind of performance it's from this place of never really feeling ultimately loved and accepted. And so they're nailing it, crushing it every single day in order to be truly accepted and celebrated within their culture. 
Now, here's my question. What happens if you don't get the desired result? Um, what happens if you don't get the recognition and the attention that you've been working so hard for? What happens if you don't get that raise when money is the motivator and now you're not going to make any more money even though you've been working so incredibly hard? And what happens if your desired result is love and acceptance and you don't find that? In fact, you feel just, you feel just as alienated as ever. Well, there are three common um, th things that happen, three co common outcomes when that thing that we're desiring isn't met. The first one is blame, and and I've done this uh, a lot, um, and I hear this a lot, that when you've been working so, so, so hard, and um, and the reason why you're working isn't satisfied, Sometimes we begin to play the blame game and we begin to blame the culture, begin to blame the church culture, begin to blame um, your work culture or marketplace, begin to blame um, even the government and local government. You begin to blame your own family, your your own husband, your own wife, your own children. If I didn't have these children, you know, and and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing to do because when we begin to um, blame that opens up the door for bitterness and what blame does is it kind of it kind of um gives us this high ground this this kind of this place of um of i'm a victim here you know i'm a victim of a system or i'm i'm i'm, I'm a victim of of people's inability to to recognize the brilliance that's inside of me or recognize how hard i've been working when we begin to blame we do open the door to bitterness. We position ourselves above others, and that's how we maintain our sense of self-pride. Another thing that can happen is simp simply getting angry and even engaging subconsciously with even a spirit of anger. Um, the third thing is, of course, fear. Because I didn't get the recognition that I deserve, because I didn't get the raise, and because I'm still not being loved and accepted, then ultimately I'm perceiving that all as rejection. And I'm, I'm being confronted with this fear that I will never make anything of, my, of myself. I will, <clears throat> I will never be anybody. I'll just be another cog in the institutional machine or just another brick in the wall, in the words of Pink Floyd. Um, and fear is, 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 is very, very dangerous. Because when we begin to fear, again, we, we open up the door, not just to fear, but we open up the door to the spirit of fear. So for this reason, um, I think it's okay to be ang angry. I mean, all of us can be angry. Absolutely. Be angry, right? But sin not. <clears throat> and, um, and when it comes to fear, certainly everybody, if they're honest, feels variances of, of fear but it's being accountable and it's um and it's and it's holding yourself accountable to not be a fearful person or to not entertain vain imagination um, lest that vain imagination be professed and then become your your um dominating reality and so let's invert our desired results Instead of saying that I'm working hard and wanting to crush it in order to get recognition and attention, money and love, let's flip that around 
and say that our our new ultimate, if our work is going to be worship, not unto human masters, but unto the Lord as our master, then let's not work in order to bring our human masters delight or even to bring ourselves delight necessarily. Let's invert the desired result so that at the end of the day, it's our desire that through our work in cultural production, the Lord would be delighted. Um, you could turn this into like a declaration or like something that you're actually professing over your work even today. And you can say this in your spirit without even saying this necessarily out loud, especially if you're like in a cubicle and you got your headphones and you're listening to this. You could say, I declare, I desire to delight you, Lord, with this act, with this action and with this activity. You might be coding. You might be um, creating graphic designs. You might be... Um, cleaning up your your home you might you, you know you might be a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad um i don't know what you're necessarily doing today but maybe you feel like what you're doing is is menial like it's not making a difference in in the world and um and so i want you to declare what i'm doing today it is my um declaration that i would delight you lord that i would actually worship you lord with these with these acts with these actions and activities and when you get that revelation then you know there's no such thing as menial activity because there's no such thing as menial worship if it's coming from your heart then it's loud and it, and it's going directly into the heart of the father so whether or not you're at home today folding your children's clothes or you're working 60 hours a week um, that what you're doing is not unto a human master. It's unto the Lord. It's worship. And when you, when you realize that it's worship, then you realize the importance of it, that you are a worship leader, that you might not be on a literal stage in a church, and yet you are on a more important stage within the heavens, and your song is your, cre is your creative um, uh, contribution here on the earth. You know, the world says, that whatever you're going to create, whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to sweat and bleed for, that you need to do that in order to bring yourself pleasure. So the reason why many, many people are just uh, uh, burning themselves out in order to um, in order to meet up, meet whatever standards are being put on them, many, many people are doing it at the end of the day for their own pleasure. What's interesting is that the statistics say that very few people are actually finding pleasure in what they're doing. Now, in contrast to that, religion says to bust it, right? Do the right thing always. Don't fail, right? Um, stink and nail it, right? But not for the pursuit of pleasure, but ultimately to abstain from pleasure at all costs. There's something about religion that, want, you know, that wants to persecute those who are perhaps enjoying themselves too much. But the gospel says that, um, Jesus, you are my pleasure, that Jesus, you are my delight. And I know that I am your pleasure and that I am your delight. And so in this reality and in light of this, may my behaviors and my cultural production, my work, my creativity be filled with pleasure and delight in creativity because it's being created not from a place of desiring pleasure and satisfa satisfaction. I'm not doing these things that I may obtain more delight and satisfaction because I've obtained 
because I've already obtained uh, uh, delight and satisfaction and pleasure, the kind of pleasure that can only be found in you. Because I've already stepped into that place, I will create contrasting work um, that's very similar to what other people are doing, yet it's radically different because it's oiled, because it's been coated in the kind of passion and pleasure that can only be found from one who's already got a certain revelation of union in Christ. Here are three kind of take-homes. The first thing is to establish. You say, establish, establish what? I would establish three priorities now. You say three, why three? Why not five, why not seven? Um, because if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any priorities. And here's the thing, that you do have priorities, but perhaps they're not actually written down and perhaps you don't even necessarily know what they are. You know what your priorities are by how hard you're working or how, hard, or how much you're even stressing out in order to satisfy certain objectives. And so um, I just did this exercise this morning. I looked at where I'm working the hardest, and then I asked myself if this is in alignment with my three, three priorities. Uh, for me, just being honest, it wasn't. Uh, when I look at the amount of work that I'm requiring of myself, um, my, I am, uh, my current workload is out of, uh, um, is out of alignment. <laughs> So this was a great exercise for me to look at where am I working the hardest and then where should my priorities be and then to hold myself accountable um, so that I don't get frustrated and angry and start playing the blame game. Because honestly, at the end of the day, um, this is like this is on me. This is on you. We really can't blame anyone for where we're working or how hard we're working because ultimately we're accountable unto ourselves and unto the Lord and then unto our spouses and families for how we're applying ourselves. So somebody has unrealistic expectations on you, but you're not communicating that to the person that's expecting that. That's on you. That's not on, that's not on them. Um, I want, I'd, I'd love to actually just kind of go down a different stream here and talk about um, communicating because um a lack of communication is, what is, is ultimately what brings us into this place of, of judgment and, um, and, and playing the blame game and anger and fear. So many times there's, there's so many spirits at, at, um, that are just free, free game, like they're just going nuts within our soul uh, because we're lacking the courage um, just to have some simple, comfort, uh, simple conversations. It doesn't have to even be confrontational. In fact, I think you should probably avoid confrontation in a lot of these matters until you've at least had some simple conversation. So again, establish three priorities. Look at how you're doing um, uh, within your workflow and how that's lining up with your three priorities. And when there's not alignment where there needs to be some simple conversation, then have those simple conversations. I'm going to give you an example because you might be able to use this. You can let someone know, hey, uh, I've been working way too hard <laughs> recently and I'm feeling the consequences of that within my own body and within my own soul. So right now, in order to increase the quality of my work, I'm having to reprioritize how I'm working. In light of this, for the next 30 days, um, my, uh, my performance is going to be changing in the following ways. This may seem in the short run like I'm producing less for you, but I think in the long run, the quality of my work will speak for itself and you'll be much happier with my performance.
Number two, quit the things that aren't working. So many times we invest so much energy working so hard on, on activities that aren't quantifiable, on things that aren't measurable. And so, um, and oftentimes that's especially directly related to crisis. So many times we feel like we're treading water in life versus doing a good crawl stroke and making some distance and yardage. So it's important that you can take inventory again in your journal by just writing down the things that are requiring the most energy but are producing the least amount of fruit. It's what Jesus would say, hey, if a branch isn't fruitful, then prune it. And so what's cool is is that is when we get to be our own disruptors and when we get to do our own pruning versus the Lord in his grace having to come and to prune us despite getting our permission and then wondering why we just got fired from a job or or got asked to leave a church or whatever else, whatever that looks like. I would rather be my own disruptor than the Lord in his mercy and grace having to step into my storyline and do an intervention. And then the third thing is that you would guard your heart. Because at the end of the day, that's really what we're talking about. We're not talking about working harder. We're not talking about um, getting more done. We're not talking about making more money. At the end of the day, we're talking about guarding our heart so that we can age gracefully, that we can be pleasant and fruitful, so that people actually want to be around us, so that we can actually learn incredible lessons and then disciple the next generation and go beyond us. And I think that in order to guard our heart, we've got to be far more serious about joy. We need to honor joy and we need to look at those joy killers, <laughs> at those at those gangsters that are out to snipe, to, to pop our joy with a gat knife, pop, 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 that the enemy wants to do a drive, a drive by on your heart and, and he wants to snipe your joy. And again, um, the world would say, do whatever, do whatever will make you happy. Religion will say happiness has no value. But the gospel says that your joy, your satisfaction can absolutely be found within the Father. But it has to be, that has to be honored. We have to actually honor joy. We have to actually honor the fruit of the spirit of joy so that it can actually increase and so that we will actually protect it. Because if we have no value on joy, then perhaps it's because we're still operating from a place of a victim mentality or maybe even an orphan disposition. I'm not saying that you have an orphan demon or nothing like that, but what I'm actually saying is that perhaps you're you're working so, so, so hard in order to get a father to notice you. When in all actuality, um, uh, uh, the father knows you more than you know yourself. He's so pleased with you. You don't have to work for God. You don't have to work for people. You get a revelation that God is so pleased with you and he loves you eternally. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more and there's nothing you can do to get him to, to be disappointed in you. That, um, that the ultimate standards required of heaven have been met because of the incredible selfless sacrifice of Christ Jesus. And when you know that, then you know that in the spirit, you're already nailing it. And from that place, you can begin to apply that breakthrough, that, that true eternal breakthrough and victory within your practical daily story. And when you begin to apply these eternal truths and these uh, uh, eternal realities that are more real than than your job, that are more real than your 401k, when we can begin to apply these eternal victories into the present and they begin to manifest right before people's eyes, they're going to want to know how is it that you're doing things so differently and how is it that you're so happy even when the facts might not be measuring up with, with the amount of joy that you're actually possessing. Knowing that 
the joy of the Lord truly is your strength and will sustain you uh, on the mountaintops and the valleys, knowing that um, if you can get through the, the this valley, if, if you're in a low point and if you can press through that low point, you know, that, that this low point is just preparing you for the next low point, but you're not going to hit two low points in, in a row. You're going to hit some mountaintop places, but the joy of the Lord can absolutely save us from being bipolar. The joy of the Lord um, sets us up in such a way where we can have a consistency of soul so that no matter what kind of negative news we get, no matter what kind of betrayal we face, at the end of the day, our families won't suffer and our spirituality won't suffer. And and really, we won't suffer uh, because we're operating from a place of safety and a place of rest, that place that can only be found in a revelation that we are sons and daughters of the most high, amazing God, <laughs> the one true God. And so I hope this, this has been a, uh, a blessing to you. Let me know what you think um, in the comments in this podcast or on Facebook, wherever you can comment, please comment um, because um, your feedback matters to me. Love you guys. Talk soon. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's the darrenshow.com. That's the darrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars. And that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's the darrenshow.com. Thanks guys.